The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Sorry about coughing into a hot mic there. Good to see you. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm excited to be home. I, for real, am excited to be home. I missed you. I'm not just saying that. I really, really, I missed you. I missed our church. I missed the people. I'm, I mean, obviously, I miss my wife. I miss my children. Uh, it's a very busy time for our family this summer. Uh, we've got weddings stacked up the next three weekends, but which is probably why my wife said yes to uh, me being out of town for 16 straight days, right? Which was just get him out of my hair. I've got a wedding to help get ready for, and so forth and so on. But I didn't realize that till halfway through uh, this uh, little speaking thing that I was on. Um, somebody asked me, uh, "Hey, how was your vacation?" And I'm like, "What? I'm not on vacation. I'm working out here, right?" So just to give you a little perspective, not a woe is me, is there was a 10-day holiness camp in the middle of Georgia, and it was 99 degrees every day. And did, did I mention it was a holiness camp? Which means, you know, there's some traditions that are valued there, and, and I love those too. Except that meant an outdoor tabernacle, right? So literally, I had a pool pit, as they say. For those of you who don't know, that's this large altar-looking thing that the pastor hides behind. And we don't use those very much here, if at all. But the good news was, is there were four air conditioning vents for the preacher, right? So I'm looking at these people dying out there, right? While I'm like, praise Jesus. But I kept wanting to wander, like I do here, out behind. And it's like, it's just too hot. So I was straight up my wife's grandfather, the Reverend Forrest Kuhn, behind that pulpit the entire time. Old school. You should have got a picture. It was pretty cool. But and then there was a camp in California. So uh, I, I it was uh, always interesting to get out and and you know meet other Christians from different parts of the world. But it but it did involve preaching fifteen times in sixteen days. So it was a little bit of a stretch, you know. But uh, I, I I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be uh, in my town at in my home in my home church and with my home people. Right, and that's you. So uh, I hope you feel the same, and if you don't, great, I'll move away. But uh, um, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't want to move anywhere. It's interesting is uh, I, while at this camp in Georgia, I have some friends there that, um, because I've been going to that camp for about, uh, off and on for over 15 years, and um, one family, or, or several different families in particular, but this one family... Um, her, her son and I really connected over a lot of things, and so much so that I, I'm, I'm, I was honored to be called like <clears throat> one of his mentors. I got to do his wedding, and it, you know, kind of got to get involved with his family just a little bit. And when I got down there, uh, there's always a different group of people that come every year. I don't know if this story is going to make sense to you, but um, she has a daughter who has met a young man, 
And this young man, they're still in those first stages of trying to figure out, is this the right guy? Our daughter's really into him. He's really into her, but we don't really know, but we're parents, so it's kind of hard to get to know. Have you ever been there, right? Who are my kids hanging out with? And she's in her 20s, so there's less control. And, 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 and it was interesting is she was telling me, oh, I was just really hoping, this is after the fact, that you know, maybe if you were here, maybe you could kind of sound them out for us and kind of figure them out, you know. And it's that kind of a relationship, and I'm honored to have that relationship. But we were watching the World Cup final. So this was, it feels like years ago, but it was like three weeks ago. And we're watching the World Cup final, and they'd reserved a pizza place. And this is where I first met this guy. And this is before I knew that she kind of wanted me to sound him out. I'm just watching France and Croatia, right? And, and, uh, and uh, he walks in. With this girl that I know, her name is Kara, and, uh, and, and everybody's kind of, I'm like trying not to be distracted, and then someone goes, oh, that's Kara and our boyfriend, and you should get to know him, and I'm like, oh, cool, and okay, I'm going to meet you real quick. And as I'm meeting him, these words come out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, you look like an operator of some kind, right? Because he just kind of gave off that special forces vibe. In dre- He's probably packing heat, you know? There's lumps there. He looks like he'd handle himself the hat, you know. And his head snapped and looked at me like that. And then I was like, whatever. Went back to watching the game. Someone whispers in my ear, he's a retired Marine Corps sniper. I have the gift of prophecy, yo. All that, those times you say to me, you're like, man, I feel like you had a camera in my kitchen, John, because of the sermon. I do. So already we're off on that footing, right? And then uh, throughout the course of the week, you know, there were some different times where I just kind of engaged with him and I could tell he's trying to figure out who's this Michigan preach guy, you know, whatever. And I'm just, you know, playing get to know you. And then I'm kind of getting the hints that, you know, he's a real cool guy and his parents are, or her parents are kind of like, yeah, get to know him when you do that. I'll do my best. Stop pushing me, you know, and kind of all, all this stuff. And so I started asking questions and he's got the defensives up. And then after day two or three, it just seems that he's kind of opening up a little and, and we're, you know, and he's like, man, I'd really like to get to know you more. It'd be really cool. You know? And he goes, where do you live in Michigan? And I said, well, you know, I live in a little town called Buckley. And he was like, oh, he goes, I have property somewhere up there. He goes, I go up there every year to hunt. I go, really? He goes, yeah, it's over by Crystal Mountain. It's uh, the Betsy River. Is that close to you? <laughs> Meanwhile, mom's over here going, the Lord works in mysterious ways, right? Right? So we hit it off. We have a friend. I'll be introducing you to him sometime this fall. He's my new friend, Dane. But the reason I bring that up, this reason that I bring that up is... That's the twisted phrase that we use many times, right? Well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Well, at age 48, I find myself, those ways aren't as mysterious as they used to be. Have you noticed that? That God has a way with his people of these divine appointments in these divine situations. How is it that the preacher guy, that mom wants me to kind of sound this guy out, the first thing out of my mouth kind of blesses him because I, just by looking at him, I'm like, you look like da-da-da-da-da. In my wiring, in my interests, in my background, the things that I read, my makeup kind of meshes with who he is to a place of right on the right foot. 
to then, hey, let's play get to know you. Then it's, I kind of like you, but I'll only see you once a year. Oh, I go up to the Betsy Valley twice a year. Sweet, we're going to be friends. I'm going to take you to a place called Patty Cakes. (laughs) But you see, what we do is we go, well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Now, that's the phrase we're looking at today in our series called Twisted. And maybe this one isn't twisted as hard as we might think, but what we're trying to do is we're all about the truth and we're all about God's word. And in this series, we've been unpacking things that people are like, oh yeah, that must be in the Bible. Well, here's the fact of the matter. The Lord works in mysterious ways. That's not in the Bible. It's not anywhere in the Bible. Right now, that's from a poem that a guy wrote about the Lord, but the Lord works in mysterious ways. Although it might be kind of true, there's a there's a danger to it. And here's the danger. And, and just kind of go with me for a minute. When we say that and we repeat it, it kind of leaves us to kind of just throw our hands up and just go, well, doop-de-doo, you know? As if none of the Lord's ways can be known. Now, we can know some of the Lord's ways. He's a God that is not remaining hidden and is just like a ghost that just kind of flutters in and flutters out And you and I are just left entirely in the dark. That's not the way the Lord works. The Lord reveals himself to us. The Lord wants us to seek him. And when the Lord does work, we're to give him glory for the way he works. But if all we do is hide behind, well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. I don't know what he's doing. It's kind of dishonoring. And sometimes we kind of bumble through life Or we blame God for things that aren't His ways. We assume that every open door is the Lord working in mysterious ways, right? I want to go do something that I know that I shouldn't do, but I don't have enough money for it. And then all of a sudden, boom, I find a $100 bill. Well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Is that the Lord? Or did someone just get careless with their $100 bill at the engine show? Right? And so... We need to understand how the Lord works so that we're not just assigning things to Him that aren't Him or worse, we're missing on how He does work. As for my friend, I I, I think we're supposed to be friends. And I think it's set up just perfectly where at the end of the camp I was like, yeah, I can see how you work, God, and I'm grateful to that. And now I'm going to be faithful to that. That's not just happenstance as it says in the book of Ruth remember that phrase and it just so happened just so happens are all God so where does this phrase come from if you have a Bible I'd like you to turn to the book of Isaiah if you don't we'll put the the words on the screen we're going to look at a passage a short passage uh, where, where most likely this whole idea of the Lord working in mysterious ways comes from. It's in Isaiah chapter 55, and it's just three verses, uh, uh, or four verses, six, seven, eight, and nine. And, and this is the prophet Isaiah speaking, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and this is what he tells us about God and what he's telling us to do. Starting in verse six, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Is that a familiar passage? Has anyone heard that before? Just put your hand up real quick. Sweet. Okay, so many of us have heard this. There's two parts to the passage, and they're important, because God doesn't play games. We're familiar with the second part, where God points out the obvious to us. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. And he goes, as high as the heavens are from the earth are my ways and thoughts from your ways and thoughts. Now that makes sense, right? That God's ways and his thoughts are not our ways and our thoughts. And that can be a source of great comfort in a time of trial or a time of pain. And so sometimes we go, well, God's just so far up there that his ways and thoughts, who knows what he's thinking. Well, the fact is, is he wrote us this really, really long letter so he could tell us what he's thinking, right? He revealed himself, God in Christ, so we could know what his ways look like. And it's important for us as Christians to understand his thoughts and his ways. Now, are we going to know all of them? Absolutely not. It's impossible. And God points them out to us. Right? The same way a child can't understand, uh, uh, you know, when, you know, I remember one of my children, well, probably all of my children. Have they ever picked up a splinter? You know, and they're really little and they pick up a splinter and they're just, ah, and then there's that moment that dad's got to hold them down and get the splinter out and they see the tweezers coming or worse, the needle, right? And they would rather choose pain or infection than that moment. And there's a moment where it's like, hold them down, we're coming in, right? Just to very gently get the splinter out. Well, the same way with a parent and a child, or even more so with a parent and a child, is us and God. And there's moments where we're like freaking out, right? You've never freaked out? Why do you think the message machine at the church is full? Yes, you do. Where's Tim? Where's John? Where's Heidi? I'll take anyone, right? Sorry. Feel free to call the church. That's not what I meant. I do it too. I do it too. Where do you think I go? Tim, where are you? He's the sin eater, right? And so it's the same way. Sometimes God's got to get that splinter out, right? And, and it's for our good. It's for our good. We can't even see it, right? I remember one of our kids that got the splinter out. They wouldn't talk to me for the rest of the day. And it's like, oh, you feel better now though, don't you? You know? And then all of a sudden she wants some ice cream. Okay, now we're friends, right? But we can understand some of his thoughts in ways. If you look at the beginning of that passage, it's not just about how far away his thoughts and ways are. At the beginning, we're instructed to seek the Lord while he may be found. We're instructed to call upon him while he is near. So God's not playing magic tricks with us. He's not entirely going, you're on a need-to-know basis and I'll just do my thoughts and ways and you just... No, he says, seek me. Call upon me. Seek him for what? Call upon him for what? So we can understand him. So we can know him. And the more we understand him, and the more we know him, the more we can trace his hand when it's happening and give him glory. Guys, I want to be a Christian that gives him glory and sees his hand. 
You know, I know that freaks some of us out, you know, when it's like, because there's some people that overdo it. And it's like, well, you know, the Lord just works in mysterious ways. And I got a front row parking spot at the Walmart. He must love me today, right? No, he loves you every day, even if all of the cherry festivals at the Walmart parking lot. And sometimes there was just a parking lot space that opened up at just the right time. And sometimes it's God, you know, uh, uh, tracing his hand through these divine appointments. And sometimes it's just a front row space. Either way, we give him glory. But when he's working intentionally, that's when it gets exciting. So he says to seek him, but he also says his thoughts and ways are going to be hard to understand. How do we summarize that? So what are we saying? John, does the Lord not work in mysterious ways? He does. But not all his ways are unrevealed. So I think it's a better way to say this. This is a biblical thought. God works in every aspect of life for his ultimate plan. God is working. Do you agree with that? And he's always working. And I got a news flash. God just doesn't work at church. And God doesn't just work at our church. He works at holiness camps. He works at camps in California where there's actually still Christians. On the left coast, I know, right? But it's not just a church. He works in every aspect of life. He's always working. He's working in ways that some of us never, ever, ever acknowledge. So God works in every aspect of life. My church life, my home life, my play life, my work life, my family life, my hobby life. And it's always for his ultimate plan. And I think that's what God meant when he said, my ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. Because he's a very creative God. So with the time we have left, I just wanted to look at some different ways that God works. These are some different ways. So it's not all mysterious. I'm going to pull the curtain back on some of the unmysterious ways that God works. Because it gets exciting in your life when you start seeing God work and you say, oh, God's working in that, right? And then we give Him glory. That's a good thing. Then we can teach our children. So here's a couple ways. Here's an obvious one. God works through His Word. Can we say that? We know that. That's, we're starting with a softball. Well, of course, he, he works through his word. But not everyone knows that. You know, it says in Scripture, it says that God's word, it says in God's word about God's word, that the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, right? God's word has power. Now, some people take that too far, and they start thinking that somehow this Bible, you know, it, it, it can never be set on a dusty table, or it can never be... I remember once I was in a service and making a point, and I just dropped my Bible just right down, and I saw people in the back, you know, as if I just sprinkled holy water on a vampire, right? Or drank vampire blood. I don't know what it was. I don't know what vampires have to do with anything. But... No, it's the word of God or the words, the truth of God. What this contains, it says it's living and active. It has power. It has power. You know, when I was in uh, California, it was uh, near Santa Cruz, and so I had to take the opportunity to go see the Pacific. And there's these huge cliffs that go down on the west coast of California, like straight down to the ocean. But there's all these little coves, and, and if you walk just right, climb up the dunes and over some rocky things, you kind of go down there. And, and the water, it's rough. 
right? All the, no one goes in the water in California. It's cold, it's windy, and it's rough. And there's power. Like I'm standing on the beach. Just, it was colder than Lake Michigan, right? And God brought that verse to my mind. The same way that ocean was roiling and waves and, and the wind and it was howling and it's like right in this little cove. When it says living and active, that ocean was living and active. That's in my mind's eye what God's word is. It's not stagnant. It's not dusty 2,000 year old words. There's truth in here that goes all the way back to the beginning of time. And what happens is when you're reading God's word and God's spirit is in you and you're faithful to that, essentially you're seeking the Lord while he may be found. You're calling upon him while he is near and he's near through his word. And you know what happens when we're faithful to that? Not every time because he's a free will God. He does what he wants and when he wants. But when you're faithful to be in God's word, hearing it, reading it, studying it, that living and active, it will reach out sometimes and grab you by the throat. And you'll be like, oh, did I read that at just this time? And you get really freaked out. It's because it's living and active. But does it have it every time? No. God's not at your beck and call. Now, he will answer when he's good and ready. He'll answer in a manner that he wants. He cares about us. But so many of us miss the way God works because we're never seeking him in his word. But he works through his word. My life has been changed by this book. Your life has been changed by this book. Because everything we do at the tab goes through the filter of his living and active word. Everything we do. Even the coffee. Even, this is going to hurt, the screens. Biblical. Even manistee. Biblical. So it's living and active. God also works through prayer. Do you believe that, that God works through prayer? God works through prayer. Now, here's the weird thing about prayer. Prayer is about you and I connecting with the living God. Some of us think that prayer is about if we get a bunch of people, then God has to listen. Right? So we're like, we need you to pray, we need you to pray, we need you to pray. We got other churches, we got all of Michigan praying, we got all of America praying. Well, if everybody's praying, then God's going to move. No one can move God. And I'm going to tell you, the smallest little boy, a prayer that he whispers at night, is just as powerful as half the living world praying. Because God hears it all. He hears it all. People come up to me all the time. Hey, pastor, we need you to pray. Oh, it's because I'm special. Did you know that I'm more special when I pray? Because I don't tuck my shirt in. Now, I love it when you ask me to pray because I get invited into your life. I get invited into what's going on. So please do that. But my prayer isn't any more special than your prayer. And God works through prayer. But it's through our connecting with Him. We don't ever really change God's mind. You know that? We don't really change God's mind about things. Prayer, in fact, has a way of changing me more than it changes God. 
The more I'm connecting with God, the more I change. Have you ever uttered one of those prayers to God and, and you were sure what you were going to ask for and halfway through the prayer you realized that you shouldn't be asking for that? You never had a prayer like that? Oh, I have, especially when I'm calling down thunderbolts on people. <laughs> Lord, can you just... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm the worst. Right? Have you ever done that? I know you have. God works through prayer. God works through music. God works through music. There's people who tell me all the time, and I love it. They come in and they go, you know, you and Tim and, and the other guys that preach, you're okay. But the music. I love those backhanded compliments. They're awesome. They're awesome. It's okay. I get it. You know why? Because God works through music. God works through music. Music, as we've said before, this is the power of music. When we come together to praise, and this is why, and I want to say this gently, some of us, you know, it's kind of like, well, I don't like music, I'm not really into music, I'm here for the sermon, that's the part that counts. Now, the sermon helps everything make sense, okay? The, the sermon and God's word are central to a worship service. But if you miss the music, you, you miss a massive part of it. Because music isn't just about preparing our hearts. Music reminds us of the truths about God. That's why you had teachers that when you learn times tables or your, the, the American presidents, you know, if you could put it in a rhyme or you could put it in a song, you never forget it. The music you listen to between, between the ages 12 and 16, no song ever written will ever move you as much as the music you listen to between the ages of 12 and like 15 or 16. You know why? It's because that's when you were going through puberty. And so all those chemicals and all those things, go, you may not even like the tune. It could be a terrible song, but you're 48 years old driving down the one in California and Barry Manilow comes on and you're like, I can't even stand this guy. Why do I feel? Because music has power. It skips the head and goes straight to the heart. It goes straight to the heart. And trust me, hey, for those of you that have just lost respect, I changed the channel. Don't worry. Until I found some Def Leppard, right? Because love bites. It was good. But when we sing God's word, it goes straight to the heart. You know, when I was at that, uh, that camp, uh, I was in the main tabernacle. I wasn't even in the youth tabernacle. And all we sang were hymns from the old hymn book. 41 services over 10 days. I attended 35. I reminded myself of the preacher rock. Holiness unto the Lord. I was reminded again that all old music sounds like a carnival. Or like a merry-go-round, you know? But it didn't matter. It connected me emotionally to my spiritual roots. Are we going to be singing more of those songs here? Nope. But that's what music does when we come together. It reminds and the emotion is welled up. And I, I got hymns rolling through my head all the time. Have you ever been on a Wednesday or Thursday here in northern Michigan and a song that we sang? You're by yourself and you just find yourself singing, He leads me. Dun, 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 dun. Right? God's working. Working it into your heart. Working it into your soul. I got to hustle. God works through people. 
He works through people. A huge value of ours is the dominoes, right? That we're all called to gather together for worship, then we scatter for ministry. God's using individuals as dominoes. He's using you all the time. People are watching you all the time. Scripture says that we are there for Christ's ambassadors. If you're a Christian, you're an ambassador for Christ. He uses you as a neighbor, as a mom, as a dad, as a friend, as a classmate, a teammate. There's always opportunities to be used by God. And God works through people. The entire Bible is filled with stories of God using people. And they're ordinary cracked pot people, aren't they? Sometimes we discount it because the person hasn't been to seminary or doesn't have a degree or is not in full-time ministry. Some of the most powerful missionaries, in fact, I would say the most powerful missionaries are people who aren't getting paid to be a missionary. Just think about how you got to the tabernacle or how you became a Christian. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. God works not just through people, God works creatively. God is such a creative God in how he works. All we need to do is look at all of the different ways that uh, uh, Jesus healed people in scriptures. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he was so creative in how he worked. He was so creative in how he decided to feed 5,000 people. Creative in his teaching method. These guys are really hungry, Lord. What should we do? You feed them. (laughs) Was he messing with them? No, he was working. And he was working through people and he was working creatively. Oh, we found somebody's sack lunch. Okay, great. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to pray and bless and then I'm just going to start breaking bread and and dividing up fish and it's going to miraculously feed all these 5,000 people here plus their wives and their children. Uh, Apparently because wives and children aren't people. But, uh, sorry, that was a theological joke. Uh, I don't know why it says that. And then we're going to have 12 baskets full left over. As it just so happens, there's not going to be 11 baskets. There's not going to be 13. There's going to be 12 so that theologians and pastors for the next 2,000 years can try to figure out what the meaning is of that. Because he's creative. He's creative. He's not locked into one way. He's always changing the ways that he works just to keep us engaged. God works through technology. Did you know God works through technology? This sermon today was initially, or originally supposed to be a uh, recorded message. And I know for many of us that's um, very discouraging because you would prefer that you could smell me <laughs> and my cologne. And then there's other people that try to spiritualize it and say, well, can the Spirit use that? And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. The Spirit does whatever the Spirit wants. The Spirit used technology when God spoke to Moses on Sinai and said, write this down. In fact, carve it in a rock. That was technology. And Moses came down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Later on, he says, Moses, no, write this down. And with his office staff, inspired by God, we get Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Ink on paper is technology. Do you understand that? They didn't have screens. They'd have put it on screens. But they put it on paper. Right? 
after uh, the writing of the entire canon, there was a guy that said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take God's word out of the hands of all the priests and I'm going to give it to the people. To do that, we're going to need a printing press. He was burned at the stake for daring to write God's word down on paper and get it in the hands of people. Because it was technology. Are you tracking with me? I'm taking you the whirlwind through world history. And every time it's a different translation. But it doesn't matter if, you know, or, or I can remember one of the first times uh, um, someone preached over here and, and uh, uh, it, it was one of the other guys on staff and we were in T1 and we had the lights down and he asked them to turn to a place in their Bible and all he could see was the glow of all these devices. And he said to me later, I'm just so discouraged, man. All these guys are on their phones or they're on their iPads. And I had been in the back and I go, you told them to look up the Bible verse. They're on their Bibles on the iPads. Technology. Are you with me? So whether it's a screen or lights, you know, I'm so thankful for air conditioning. Technology. You know how God works through that? Those of you that are in here, it's cold. I know, because you can always cover up. But you can't take on. <laughs> Bring a sweater. Keeps you awake. Technology. You're welcome. God's a creative God that does that. God works through our mistakes, and I've made a lot of them. Did you know God works through our mistakes? His will always gets done. You know, it says in uh, Isaiah chapter 46, he says about himself, for I always accomplish my purposes. God's will is like water poured on top of a mountain. It will always flow downhill. And my mistakes are the boulders and the trees and the valleys that get in the way. But that water's going to make it where he wants it to get to. It'll zig and it'll zag. That doesn't mean we don't try to fully obey and honor him and get it right. It doesn't mean that. But grace means his will will get done. And the birth of every child, at every life stage, every zig or zag, he gets his purposes done. God also works through timing. The older I get, the more I see that his timing is always right on time. Have you noticed that? I don't know if this is, uh, I don't want to create a new saying. This isn't in the Bible. This is purely my experience. God is rarely, if not never early. But he's never late. He's never late. You know what's that about God? He's never late. We think it's late. His timing is perfect. I'm thinking about the opening of this building. How we wanted it to be earlier. It was The perfect time. Some of us are stressing about what we've been calling T77 in Manistee. Oh, we got to get that done. We need to, I mean, because, you know, it's going to take $160,000 to get that place renovated and up and going and the state of Michigan to comply with all their permits if the stinking communists would get it done and we're calling people. And and you know what? You know how our staff is, our leadership? It's like, you know what? God's got this. We're going to keep pushing. We're going to call representatives, Right? If you want to make a donation for 60 grand to get us the rest of the way, great, that's great. 
But T-77, it'll be done when God wants it to be done. And in the meantime, we're in the high school over there and there's, you pray for those people, help serve with those people, right? There are people, that's our church, same church, two locations, right? But God's timing, God's going to work in that timing for a reason. And we'll trust that. Lastly, we see how God works through Jesus. God works through Jesus. If you want to know the way God works, if God's ways are a complete mystery to you, my encouragement for you is spend some time in the Gospels. In fact, I'm excited. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. This fall, we're going to be studying the Gospel of Mark. Fall kickoff, which is somewhere around Labor Day. I can't remember the exact date because I'm a little bit loopy right now, but... We're going to just power through the life of Jesus. You want to know the way God works? You look at Jesus because Jesus is God. And you can start to see a pattern. You can see his character. You can see his heart. You can see his methods. You can see his creativity. If you want to know what God's like, we look to Jesus. God works the way God works, and Jesus is God, so look at the way Jesus works. Isn't that a beautiful thing that we can do? That's why we're called to draw close to him, to seek him while he may be found. You want to know the way God works? Jesus did a lot of things that were mysterious, but there were a lot of things that Jesus did that I can understand and that I can say, isn't this just like Jesus? Isn't this just like the way Jesus would work? And God is working in all aspects of life for his ultimate plan. And sometimes the plan I can't fully understand. And I can still say things like, you know, his will, that's way above my pay grade. But what I do know, I can figure out. You know, uh, down in Georgia, there's a group of guys that, I mean, forgive me for talking about this, but it's fresh. I give you what's fresh, right? Um, the group of guys, we get up every morning to play, to play soccer together. They're young guys, or they used to be young guys, and now they're, you know, some of them played in college and some of them are out and then there's some young high school players. And the only time you can do any sort of athletic activity in Georgia is at 7 a.m. Because it's just brutal hot the rest of the day. I think that's why they have so many conversions because it's hot as you know where. But anyways, this group of guys, we've been playing with them for years, right? And some girls were playing with us too. And so that, would, that was a great way to start every day before four holiness church services. was soccer. Yeah, you know? And so on the very last day of camp, this new guy that I'd never met before, before that camp, he'd played with us quite often. His name was Anthony. We're walking to breakfast. And you're hot, sweaty. And you're just like, hey, hey, John, I know it's the last day. Can I walk with you? I'm like, yeah, bro, what's up? And we're walking. And he goes, uh, I want to tell you just a quick story real quick. And uh, he said, uh, he said, eight years ago, when you were speaking in the youth tabernacle, um, on the very last night of camp, you, you, you were talking about dominoes, I think, or something like that. I go, yeah, yeah, we talk about dominoes. There's a domino message. Yeah. And he goes, well, anyways, uh, he goes, I wasn't there. But uh, he said, you asked the students to write down three names of people who were far from God that they were going to be a domino in their life. And he said... Uh, he said, my wife wrote down one name, my name. And she said, at the time, we went to high school together. We weren't even dating. And he goes, but I want you to know that I was the worst heathen in that high school. 
because I couldn't be further from God. I was going straight to hell in a handbasket. And she didn't write down three names. She just wrote down one. And uh, I won't tell you the whole story, but he said, uh, within a year, God did something drastic in my life as she started to pray for me. Within two years, uh, I mean, there was some devastation, death. And he said, after two years, I became a Christian. He goes, two years after that, we were dating. And two years after that, we got married. He goes, I'm in law school at Arizona State. I love Jesus. I'm saved. And uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks. Bye. And I found myself going, the Lord works in... Isn't that the way God works? That a high school girl who wrote one name, who had no intention of knowing that that one name, that was going to be an answered prayer, he was going to get saved. But not only that, he was going to become her husband. And they were going to play soccer with a Michigan preacher on a Sunday morning at 7 a.m. And he was going to tell me that story. And I was going to be encouraged. And that I was going to come home to Michigan 10 days later and tell you the story. What's God doing? He's working in all aspects of our lives for his ultimate plan. That story's not meant for you to go, hmm, keep doing what you're doing, John. No. God keeps doing what God keeps doing. And we join him in the doing because he's working. Does that make sense? Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we bring different things to this place as we worship, as we offer our sacrifices to you, as we pray together, fellowship, and hear from your word. God, I pray today would be an encouragement as much as it's been instructive, that you're always working, that you have a plan, and we can trust that. And God, when we don't understand that, can you help us to continue to put our faith there because of the stories that are shared. But more than that, God, can you teach me and teach us to see your hand working in all of these ways and more ways that we didn't have time to even talk about so we can give you glory for the way you draw people to yourself, the way you reconcile us to one another and to you, God. So God, I give you glory for your timing, for your creativity, for your use of technology and music and, and preaching and people, dominoes, cracked pots. And God, would we continue to give you that glory when we get tired and we get grumpy and when we forget that you're a God who's always working. So thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.